0: Have to become an ex-church, which means an ex-church in the sense that we're removing ourselves from what church has become, and an ex-church in the sense that Christ actually becomes the center, and we're, we're pointing people toward Christ, not toward a doctrinal statement, not toward constitution and bylaws of a local church. Um, we're no longer drawing denominational lines, even though those denominational lines served a purpose for for time, it's it's time for the church to, to grow some more. That's I am uh, starting a new podcast today. Um, we've been producing Blacktop Pulpit and Unraveled and uh, the 95. Uh, those are those are done. Um, we're in a different season of life now, a uh, season of R&R for me, uh, of rest for me, a uh, season of sabbatical for me. But while I'm on sabbatical from uh, an official position in ministry, there are uh, certain topics I want to address. Uh, my heart has been really burdened toward unity lately, the unity of the church. Um, I realize knowledge knowledge puffs up, and the scriptures tell us this, right? Knowledge puffs up. Um, it is really easy for us in our doctrine uh, to divide the body of Christ, and there's a place and a time for for that and being divided um, by by truth rather than being united in error. Um, but unity kind of gets neglected as a result of that. Uh, it was Jesus Christ uh, who taught that uh, you know a house divided against itself cannot stand. Um, that is in Matthew chapter 12, verses 24 through 28. And of course, Christ was talking about the kingdom of Satan there. The, the Pharisees had, had accused him of casting out demons by the name of visible, by the name of Satan himself. And uh, Jesus replies by saying, A kingdom, if it is divided against itself, it cannot stand. Why would Satan cast out Satan? That doesn't make any sense. Uh, What you are accusing me of doesn't make any sense. So that's his rebuttal against the the Pharisees of his day. Uh, But then, in that, in considering that truth, I observe the local church today and I, I realize that um, the church is um, if we look at it surface level uh, a kingdom divided against itself in the modern day and uh, it pains me to see uh, the kingdom of God uh, Christians behaving like they do and we want to reach the world for Christ and so we want to do everything we can to reach the the world for Christ but in the church we have a problem of unity. So I just want to begin by talking about the problem of unity within the body of Christ. And, and this podcast, X Church, um, I wanted to appeal to, or I want to appeal to the, the body of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ, and the the fracturing lines that we see. Within the church, uh, how do we address those fracturing lines in a, in a healthy way? Uh, but I also want to appeal to those who are who are like me, who feel disenfranchised by much of the church today. Uh, if it weren't for the Holy Spirit within me, I would have I would have forsaken the church a long time ago. But because I love Christ and I have the Spirit, I can't neglect the the body of Christ. And so all, all I can do is appeal. to, to the church appeal to uh, the body of Christ. I have two recent experiences that I want to tell you about, um, in my, in my search for a job Of course, because of, uh, I imagine it's because of COVID and because of, uh, president Biden being elected and some of his executive orders that have impacted the economy and, and quite a few other factors that have impacted the economy. Um, I, I lost a job. I was told <laughs> your performance is, is great. Uh, you've you've done great work for us. Uh, we just can't afford you anymore. Uh, and that's an economic reality for quite a few people um, where our performance isn't causing people to lose jobs. It's strictly the economy. Um, and I, I love my my former boss is still a good friend of mine. Now I have the pleasure of having him as a as a friend and not an employer, which is it's actually better for for our relationship, I imagine. Um, but this economic hardship has caused me to have to to look for to look for work, and so I was contacted by before I really even started looking, I was contacted by a ranch in uh, in. Oh dang! I even forgot where it is now. Uh, but I was contacted by a boys' ranch. Uh, yeah, still can't think. Of, still can't think of where it is. I'm just brain farting on that. Uh, but kind of a cool idea. Uh, it was a a ranch designed for troubled children to to come and to learn uh, biblical doctrine, to be impacted by the Holy Spirit, to to meet Christ, and then. Uh, return home having learned uh, work ethic by by working on a ranch, having learned work ethic, um, return home as better children. Of course, the reviews online, they're mixed reviews. It works for some. It doesn't work for others. Um, But I was pretty interested in this kind of work, this kind of job. It wasn't officially church work, but it it was ministry in some way uh, during my time of R&R, at least from an official ministry position. And, uh, and I got to talking with them, and they loved my resume, loved the experience that I would bring to the table. And uh, I asked them to send their doctrinal statement to me, so they sent a doctrinal statement, which if you don't know what a doctrinal statement is, it's a statement of beliefs, right? Um, it's Masters Academy Ranch. That's that's the name of the ranch if you want to look it up. Um, but they sent their, their doctrinal statement. It's a classic, uh, fundamental, independent, Baptist belief statement. Uh, glorifies the King James version of the Bible to be the only inspired version of the Bible, you know. And uh it also says that uh God will God will judge each one according to his works uh when the end comes, talking about believers, not sinners, but believers. Uh, but we know Christ has forgiven our sin. He has separated us from our sin, as far as the east is from the west. He causes us to conquer our sin. Uh, the fullness of our debt was paid on the cross in Christ. That's the good news of the gospel. If you don't believe that, you're not a Christian. We know that, and we know that the King James Version isn't the, isn't the the rule of faith, right? It's not the inspired. Text as a translation is certainly not the only inspired text, but the but the autographical languages are the inspired text, right? The the Greek and Hebrew, the language that the authors were writing in, and then of course God blesses the English translations, um, all of them. So I don't think the King James Version is a an invalid translation, Uh, but I do think it is a translation, and that the the authorized version, so to speak, is actually in the in the Greek and Hebrew and some Aramaic, the autographical languages uh, so I just I sent I sent a little letter saying hey let me explain where I where I diverge from this doctrine and if that has any impact on me working there I'd rather know up front and and it does um, if we don't fit into the box people don't accept us even if we are pursuing Christ and even if we consider the Bible to be the the only efficient and sufficient word of of God. if we don't fit into people's boxes, they are very unlikely to accept us and work beside us for the cause of the of the gospel and this is within the church, right Next story, next experience I had um, was with a with a group, a grace. Brethren Church in Colorado Springs is a church replant, a restart, and they're looking for people to restart this church, and I was a little interested in this, so I sent my resume in. They were very interested in me, um, and I agreed with them on soteriology, so the 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 salvific side of things. that so We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone. God offers his forgiveness, not as a result of our work, but as a result of his work, and he chooses us unconditionally. Uh, very Calvinistic in their soteriology, which I am too. But then when it comes to um, eschatology, uh, the study of end times, we differed because they are very much dispensational, um, premillennial, and I am very much reformed, uh, post-millennial in my uh, eschatology. Uh, so <laughs> I imagine that that is the dividing line that they drew in, in the guy told me up front, like we don't try to fit people into a box. We don't want people to fit into our box, but we want all people, all the people who work with us, to be coming toward a center location. And that that central location they want to be that, that's a great idea, and that's the idea I want to promote here. Um, but their center location was their doctrinal statement, rather than the Bible, um, the actual Word of God, uh, which I think is which I think is dangerous, and I think that's um, misplaced. And of course, doctrinal statements, um, they're a reflection of what people think the Bible says, right? Uh, they are an interpretation of biblical doctrine. Uh, that people want to encourage other people to adhere to. I think doctrinal statements, I think creeds, I think they have their place in the church. Um, but when it comes to our central focus and what we should all be going toward, it should be the Bible, it should be... Christ, not a creed at the center. The creed maybe could help us understand the Bible, but it ultimately has to be the Bible, which is the purpose for this podcast. Um, church, what are we striving for here? And what kind of trust do we have in in God? I want to open up the Bible because this, this podcast is all about um, fighting for the cause of expository preaching and teaching in the local church, uh, look, if you go to church and you enjoy the music and you're uplifted and you're edified and you sit down and your and your preacher, if the first words out of his mouth are not open your Bibles to, it's probably not gonna be worth your time to sit there because you're gonna be teaching something else. I uh, recently sat through a, a message um, we're in, in Sunday school, uh, a small, small group, and they decided to play a video instead of just open the Bible and read from the Bible and talk about the Bible. Uh, and the guy took 30 minutes to get to reading any kind of scripture because he was telling stories and talking about politics before then. It resonated with me as a conservative Christian, yes, but, but it was not a teaching of the Bible. Um, if the church is going to experience any unity... Uh, we, we have to get back to the source. We have to become an ex-church. An ex there stands for Christ. It is the first letter of Christ's name. We have to become an ex-church, which means an ex-church in the sense that we're removing ourselves from what church has become and an ex-church in the sense that Christ actually becomes the center. And we're, we're pointing people toward Christ, not toward a doctrinal statement, not toward constitution and bylaws of a local church, um, we're no longer drawing denominational lines, even though those denominational lines served a purpose for for time. It's it's time for the church to, to grow some more uh, in our time, in our in our day. Uh, so I want to look at look at the scriptures with you, with you here. Um, this is about the Holy Spirit, about Christ's promise to uh, to provide all truth to his people through through the Holy Spirit. And about how uh, in the in the current age, what we're experiencing is uh, church growth, um, not just in number, but in the understanding of the gospel. Uh, people are becoming uh, more and more knowledgeable about the scriptures and what they teach. Um, more and more interested, even even younger generations. Uh, and you, dude, this is all over places. Even like TikTok, becoming more interested in what the Bible actually says rather than what they just hear growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are signs of a great maturing in the church that is happening during our time. Um, I, I realized that when I was more ignorant in the faith, uh, more people wanted me around. More people wanted to hire me uh, to, to work in the church. Uh, more people wanted me to preach. Uh, more people uh, wanted me to come and lead ministries and, and build you know, for the church. Um, and I was pretty successful at doing those things, um, but but now that I have gained more knowledge about Scripture, now that now that I am not so ignorant concerning what Scripture actually actually teaches, because I have taken time to to study and to and to go to school and to and to earn degrees and to read academic articles and to read and to read history, all, all this in conjunction with the Bible, um, less people less people seem to. To want me, and more people seem to just want to argue against me. Um, and and my argument is, is is simple. When they say something, I I open up the Bible and I ask them, "Where do you see this?" And most of the time, they're unable to tell me. And if they can tell me, it turns out that where they're seeing it doesn't actually describe what they are, what they are, what they are seeing. Um, and because um, I've taken the promise of God and the promise of Christ seriously to renew the earth uh, rather than destroy it and there's a promises both in the Old and New Testament you know um, less people want want me and I think this is tragic because here I am trying to move toward the Bible toward the Bible toward the Bible and everybody else because of a denominational conviction or a creed that says something just a little bit different than the Bible does um they want to reject those who who are pointed toward mm-hmm. the bible and who exalt Christ uh, alone uh, rather than the creeds of of men um so let me just read this let me just read this for you uh, this is christ is predicting his death his disciples are really sad and he's he's trying to encourage them like it's it's good that i go this is john chapter 16 starting in verse 5 but now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, Where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. What do you mean you're going to die, right? But I, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Now look at this it is, it is for your good. And Jesus is talking to his disciples. If he's talking to his disciples then, and we are made disciples, this message carries over to us. It is to our advantage that Christ left, that he ascended into heaven. It is good for us. It is good for his disciples. It is good for the church. Why? Well, Jesus answers the question. All we got to do is keep reading, right? Uh, Too many people stop and just uh, assume away, but let's just keep reading. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, this is the Holy Spirit, paraclete, right? The helper or comforter or advocate, counselor, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Now, now look at this. This is amazing. The Holy Spirit... When the Holy Spirit comes and Christ departs, the Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit will convict the world concerning sin. That's number one. Righteousness, number two. Judgment, number three. And then Jesus explains those three concerning sin because they do not believe in me. So the Holy Spirit will come. Jesus departs. The Holy Spirit comes. And one of the Holy Spirit's jobs is to convict the world, the whole world, concerning sin because the world does not currently believe in Jesus while Jesus is walking the earth. But when the Holy Spirit comes, the world will come to believe in Jesus. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is there convicting the world of sin. The Holy Spirit started doing this work upon Jesus's departure from the earth, upon his ascension. When the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, he started this work. The whole world is being convicted of sin. We can trust that Jesus said that that's the way things would be. That is the current state of things. And concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. So concerning sin, hey, what you're doing does not honor God, is not Christ-like, and concerning righteousness, uh, here is the, the righteous way to be. Here is the the rule of law. The world begins caring more about morality. And all of a sudden you have ethics courses in universities, even secular universities. People are trying to figure out what is, what is righteous and what is not. And this is an ongoing conversation, not only for the church, but also for secular society. That wouldn't be the case if the Holy Spirit didn't cause us to care about what is righteous. So we see the evidence in the world today. The Holy Spirit is doing this. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. And there he's talking about Satan, the serpent, right? The ruler of this world has been judged. And this that's past tense. So whatever we read about, about Satan in the New Testament, we understand he has already been judged. He's been judged by Christ. And at his ascension, the Holy Spirit comes and convicts the world concerning judgment, because the evil one has been judged. The ruler of this world has already been judged judge and the Holy Spirit clues us into that, enlightens us concerning the fact that the judgment is finished. It was finished upon the cross and it was finished by Christ's ascension. The evil one is already defeated and so the kingdom of Christ will reign supreme. Right? And then look at this. Jesus continues, I have many more things to say to you. But you cannot bear them now. There is going to be a progression of knowledge, doctrinal knowledge, within the local church from from this point onward, right? There's going to be a progression of knowledge within the church, beginning with the disciples. They will learn many more things. And then after them, by reading what they wrote, the church as a whole will learn many more things, moving up to Christ's return into eternity, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. And here, Christ is talking to all of His disciples. Here, Christ is saying something that applies to the the whole church, right? And this isn't a knowledge that comes by denominationalism. Uh, denominationalism, I think, is is a sin that distrusts the Holy Spirit, right? It is evidence that people do not trust the Holy Spirit to lead the people of God into all truth. And so instead of being pointed at, instead of instead of focusing on looking at what the Holy Spirit has revealed through the through the human authors of, of Scripture, people are very concerned about fitting people into boxes and developing their own doctrinal statements. And again, I think creeds are. Helpful or can be helpful, but we realize that creeds do not bear divine authority, scripture does. Uh, constitutions and bylaws of local churches do not bear divine authority, scripture does. And in inspiring the, the words of the Old and New Testament, of the Holy Spirit has revealed to us everything that we need to know. For life and ministry. And that's what we mean by the sufficiency of Scripture. If everybody says Scripture is sufficient, but then adds a whole lot of other stuff, they don't really believe Scripture is sufficient. So, so we need a revival of this understanding, the sufficiency of Scripture in the church today. Um, so this denominationalism, right? The fractures that we see in the church, the, the divided house. This is a result of people... Gaining knowledge for themselves, much like Adam and Eve sought to gain knowledge for themselves. Uh, there's no denying it. It is a result of people gaining knowledge for themselves and becoming prideful in their knowledge. Um, it's for this reason I think the I think the church is still in its infancy. Um, I think the church has a, a long way to go. Uh, we understand that that people are going to disagree about things. Everyone is at a different place in, in his or her sanctification and the learning of the truth provided by the Holy Spirit. And when we cre- create denominational barriers or, or fractured lines, um, because of what we uh, agree on or, or disagree on, um, what we're saying is, you don't know the truth, therefore, I do don't want to call you a close brother in the faith because we don't agree on certain things. No doubt there are permanent marker issues and there are pencil issues, right? Uh, things that actually do draw dividing lines. Salvation by grace alone through faith alone. The divinity of Christ. A Trinitarian God, belief in a Trinitarian god and his triunion and his uh, inseparable actions right these things are permanent marker issues Uh, you are not a christian if you do not believe these things you are not in christ if you do not believe him to be divine if you do do not confess with your mouth that he is lord or believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead that he actually atoned for our sin you are you are not in the faith if you don't believe those things but if we disagree on the timing of the millennium That's not a divisive issue, and people make it a divisive issue. That is no excuse for us not to serve one another and serve beside one another. That's no excuse for a denominational line, you understand? Knowledge puffs up. Knowledge makes us want to draw dividing lines. Makes us want to divide the house of God. I'll just quote Paul from 1 Corinthians. Is Christ divided? No, he is not. And if we are all pursuing biblical truth, that gives us a chance to have honest discussions about these things, uh, like we see the Jerusalem Council do in the Book of Acts. Come together, discuss these these doctrinal issues, and do our best to arrive at at a godly, correct conclusion, holding our views in humility. So, so knowledge brings pride, which which puffs up. And we are puffed up and we draw dividing lines. And then as we mature in the faith, as we understand now what we know, the factual knowledge that we know, theological knowledge that we know, as we begin to understand that, the doctrine actually affects our hearts and, and wisdom brings patience. Understanding not everyone has to arrive at the same conclusions I arrive at in the timing that I arrive in them, and in fact, it's entirely possible that God could change my mind at some point in the future. So it's not actually worth dividing on these things. It gives us patience with with sinners who are yet to know Christ, whom the Holy Spirit has has yet to retrieve from the darkness. It gives us patience. You know, I, I think it's really funny that uh, people who are people who are post-mill, people who are Calvinistic in their thinking, and people who are Reformed, so so this is my camp, right? I, I think it's ironic, and it's devastating to me that Reformed people are so quick to separate out from the rest of the church, instead of understanding, like a like a Calvinist should, that God is saving and sanctifying His people, and you can't argue people into correct theology. Right? All you, all you can do is exposit the scriptures, and trust the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth to people as the scriptures are exposited. And as a post mill thinking, oh, uh, they, they don't have the correct theology. Uh, therefore, all I need to do is condemn them or argue against, argue against them. And that's not right either. That doesn't even make sense from a post-millennial perspective because a post-millennial perspective teaches that the kingdom of God is growing to overtake the whole earth. They will come to understand, but it's not your job. It's Christ building his own kingdom. So exposit the scriptures and all people will come to a correct knowledge of the truth in God's timing, not mm-hmm. yours. So, so that's not even an excuse for us to separate out from the church at, at large and draw denominational lines based on that. Um, wisdom teaches patience. And, and an understanding of theology, I'm not just talking about a knowledge of theology, but an understanding in the heart, right, of correct theology actually leads us to be more, it leads us to be humbler, and it leads us to have more patience. And so I, I think for this reason, because the church does seem to be so fractured right now, uh, and because it has been, you know, fractured for a long time, that the, the church is still in its infant stages, that the, the Holy Spirit is still progressing the knowledge and wisdom of the, the people of, of of God. And that we are still at the beginning of of this reign of Christ in the, in the history of the world before Christ's return. And because eventually the, the Holy Spirit will will reveal all the truth um, he's already revealed it in the scriptures, but he'll lead the church to, to understand all the truth. Um, you know, I think probably by the time Christ returns, so, so unity is on the way. Uh, I'm optimistic about the church's future and, and the future of, of the world, uh, which comes with my theological viewpoint, very optimistic about that. Um, but our goal is Christians. Then, I mean, in light of the fact that the Holy Spirit is gonna guide us into all truth, right? Our goal as Christians, I man, forget being Baptist or Presbyterian or or something else. Okay. Um I, I understand that denominational lines they've served a purpose for a time, but as we mature, there's less and less need for denominational lines because We become humbler, more sincere in our conversation, more interested in learning biblical truth rather than having something sensational, right? Our goal is to move toward not Baptist doctrine or Presbyterian doctrine or some other kind of doctrine. Uh, Our goal is to move toward what the Holy Spirit has revealed, Uh, nothing more and nothing less to be honest about what the Bible says and what it doesn't when we hear something to be like the Bereans in Acts and go to the Bible. Check it out and see if the Bible actually says that uh, study expositorily and, and maybe and maybe i'll I'll have a class sometime soon on how to study the Bible expositorily. Our objective is Christians, and make no mistake we are Christians before we are Baptist or Presbyterian or or Methodist or or any other denomination. We are christians we are in we are in Christ, we are the people of God. He only has one church. Our goal is to move toward what the Holy Spirit has revealed. Nothing more, nothing less. And until we are really committed to this, I don't think there will be true unity in the church because we won't be accepting of one another. And like Jesus taught, a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. And the movement away from from the Christian church in in the modern day, um, it's not the fault of Satan. Uh, Look at this. Satan has already been judged. Uh, he's, he's not the one who bears the blame for dissension in the church. We are. And it's time for us to, to own up to the division we have caused in the body of Christ and face the fact that a house divided against itself cannot stand. You want the world to be reached for Christ? Church, we must be unified. And we can't be unified around our own thoughts, philosophies, beliefs, theology. We have to be unified around the, the Bible and humble enough to, to seek after the Word of God and to see what God has for us in Scripture, to to interpret the Bible in a, in a coherent way, to see it for what it is, to consider historical, literary, grammatical context, to trust people who are who are trained to expose the word of God, exposit the word. And this is what being an expository church is all about. We, we understand that knowledge increases our pride, but wisdom increases our patience with, with others. So this is what I'm going to be focusing on during the the time that I have this podcast, X Church, and I'm going to be addressing several several topics. While I look at those topics, I'm going to be expositing the scriptures, and I hope to. And I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to uh, the pastor of the church I'm attending here about starting a a class for the local church on expositing the Bible, like teaching everyday people how to exposit scripture. Look, I have degrees. I've been training for a long time to exposit and present the Bible well without mucking it up, which is difficult. Right? And the most difficult part about it is just overcoming self. But I want to I start a class on how, to, how everyday people can exposit the scriptures pretty easily. And I'm going to talk to the pastor of the church I go to about this. And make those resources available at Christoa.com. And I want to ask for your help with that uh, because it takes time. uh, It takes resources uh, to develop material. Uh, So please consider donating at Christoa.com. Those funds are going to be used to to help develop this teaching material, this class. Uh, I I want you to be able to discern what the Bible says. Um, And I want to promote the idea of expository preaching and teaching in the local church. Nothing more, nothing less. And people tend toward one or the other in most cases. Uh, because I really think solid biblical exposition is the answer to the immaturity of the church today, the disunity of the church today, and the disenfranchisement of, of many people uh, in the at least the Western world, if not the world overall. Um, so uh, I hope you join me in this. And I hope that uh, I hope that you consider giving financially uh, to this cause uh, while I am in my my sabbatical season uh, here in Perry, Georgia. I hope that you will join me in helping to train others uh, for the cause of expository teaching, so that the gospel is heard, so that the the unity of the church grows, uh, and so that we so that we can. <laughs> conquer the world <laughs> in christ's name and uh, thank you for listening to this first episode um i hope to i hope that i haven't already driven you away and i uh, hope hope that you will listen when uh, subsequent uh, episodes are published thank you again